Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. David, Scott, this is Rob. I want to extend a great big thanks to you two guys and Trip Foreman. I'm super stoked to have been chosen the winner of the board giveaway from Real. Uh, thanks a lot, guys, all y'all, for putting that on, and uh, super stoked. And I ended up, I did not get the fish that we originally thought I would. I ended up getting a Chris Christensen Ultra Tracker. This thing is bitching. It's supposed to show up here on Friday. I can't wait. Anyway, guys, thanks a lot. Super stoked. Keep up the great show. And Trip, thank you. Rob Galan uh, at Rouserworks on Instagram was the winner, Scott, of the realwatersports.com surfboard giveaway. Well, I sensed his stoke and it was sincere and I felt it. And um, I can relate to that. I think all, all of us can relate to that. So congratulations to Rob and thank you to Trip at Real Water Sports. We're stoked. And he's going to be stoked on that Christensen coming Friday. That was a smart pick. Uh, he had a Smith Shapes. Um, fish picked out which is a great board and all that but the raw the uh christensen ultra tracker i feel is double the price so i'm i'm wondering if he was just going <laughs> if he was just straight going to for, craigslist <laughs> i'm sure he'll keep it but it was a, it was a smart uh financial decision for him as well oh um, the other thing that real put out this week which was a huge effort was their icons of foam recap video yeah thanks so much trip that was really cool well done and uh Super stoked to have um, him. And I think Jeff is his, is his filmer. Is it Jeff? Anyway. Oh, man. Yeah, I forget. Yeah. Um, well, I apologize. But I think yeah. they did. A, they first of all did a great job with the video piece. But the Icons of Foam competition at the boardroom show, it's you have to really be paying attention to fully get what's happening and to understand the nuance of uh, the competition itself. And so if you're just walking by and you're meandering through the boardroom show, you'll only get bits and pieces. I feel like they did a phenomenal job of actually capturing everything, interviews with everybody, what was happening in the Bay, and then packaging it as a one-hour thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. We'll post it. And then you could, of course, find it on realwatersports.com slash podcast. Um, and then there's, of course, all the surfer board reviews on their website as well. And then they also carry NVS fins. NVS has been a sponsor of our podcast for about a year now. And um, they got in with Real Water Sports a few months back. So we're thrilled to see all of those dots kind of be connected. But are you writing NVS, Scott? Have you? Yeah, have you no, absolutely. Surfing? Yeah, um, I've got those NVS twin fin C drive fins in my uh, Seikel uh, Sabre, you know, that 7.2 round pin twin fin that Ryan Sagel made me. So that, that's my go-to fin. And uh, I'm a big fan of all of their fins. I mean, it's fascinating to go into their site and just kind of scour their fins and, and geek out because once you get their fins in your hand, you, you, you notice the difference. Like you're yeah. like, these things are sleek and mean, and I could maybe cut sushi with these things. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, G10 laminate. So it's thinner, but also stronger. So you're less mass, less material, but really fine foils. 
Um, we direct everybody to surfnvs.com, but I think retailers deserve a shout out as well. So Bird Surf Shed in San Diego, uh, Used Surf in San Clemente actually also has a demo program, which I think is pretty awesome. Real Water Sports, of course, in the Outer Banks, Surf D in Norway, Board Shop in England, Clinica in Israel, Surf Ride in Solana Beach, and XTR in Japan are just a short list of retailers worldwide. And then, of course, surfnbs.com. Surf D in Norway, huh? How about I wonder that? what that surf shop is like. Like, are there like shop groms there? Are they like flipping through magazines? Great question. What's going on there at Surf D? I want to know. Like, is there a coffee shop attached to this thing? I want Surf D to call in on our listener line and explain what's happening there. Yeah. Is there like fish? Like, is there some like small little like salty fish that you buy when you're there? Like, what's going on in Norway? I want to know. Uh, they're hip because they're carrying NVS fins. So that's a big kudos. I'm Norwegian, you know, David. I did not know. Yeah. Tushin Tuck. I speak the language, my friend. See, I thought you were just making, making up stuff about salted fish. I didn't know that you actually knew. Oh, yeah. All right. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Oh, yeah, guy. Yeah, freaking guy. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, guy. Okay, that's a little much. But it's Spit, and it's David Scott, and we're talking surf on this Wednesday. And it is October the 13th, David. Welcome, my friend. Thank you so much. Um, we have a special guest today. It's not, oh, just, yeah. it's not just David and Scott. We brought in a third party to offer parenting advice, father, fatherly advice right. on today's episode. That's right. How's oh, Rex doing? <laughs> Wait, okay. So bring in, bring in Devin. Go ahead, bring him in here. Uh, hey, Rex's father, commissioner of the Longboard <laughs> Tour. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, good to see you. Thanks good for having me here. Absolutely, good to see you as well. Are you in the office right now? I could see some surfboards back. There. I am. I'm at uh, Channel Islands. There's some surfboards back there. And, those are uh, not. Those are pointy-nosed surfboards. Those are not are. Devin Howard's. Boards. Yeah. They don't allow me to touch those. Okay. <laughs> I to, Smart. I have to keep a five feet of distance at all times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. A mask I'm, to look at those things. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm all here. Right. My voice is a little charred from yesterday. So uh, hopefully it's not too gravelly. But there was a lot of excitement, a, a lot of screaming on microphones yesterday. Well, you deserve a huge kudos and congratulations. Um, I feel Thank like the long, and we'll get into it in depth. I'm sure Scott wanted to say something, but um, the longboard tours come back with a vengeance. I feel like you've caught zero flack in the last two events. You would think people could create flack about Surf Ranch, but instead all of the media coverage I saw was positive saying this turns out to be the best longboard wave, you know. Uh, second I'm best. I think Malibu is the best. I think Malibu is proven. And then, the, and then the that, best. yeah. So even Malibu with kind of a slow, uh, you know, in terms of waves and wind yeah. and stuff, people still were like, it's clearly the best longboard wave on the planet. So kudos, Devin. Thank you. Yeah. It's, um, if, I mean, for those that watched yesterday, I, I probably said that already in the broadcast that, you know, this, this championship tour has, these big moments at places, especially like pipeline 
And I know now with the final being at Trestles and it's going to be at different locations, trying to have that big finale at a premier spot. It's, it's, I don't think a lot of people are going to argue that you, are you going to do much better than Malibu? Probably not. So, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the culture, the history, the wave, it's all there. It's a beautiful space and it's really hard to do the call for this event because the way the permit works is we have a few days to be there. We have to make the decision seven to 10 days out. We're supposed to oh tell gosh. the city when we want to set up and even the nerdiest among us, I don't know if anyone wants to make a call on anything seven to 10 days out. So yeah, we're lucky. Scott, what did I interrupt you with two minutes ago by bringing Devin in? You were going to say something. I forgot. Okay. Sorry. However, <laughs> however, uh, I don't think Devin's gotten his due. I, I can't tell you how great an event that was. I mean, you know, but but I don't think people realize what a nightmare it is to organize something like this. Like the amount of work that Devin has to do, the, the BS, basically. He has to herd cats. He's, got to, he's basically got a babysitter, like four, 45 or 50 longboarders and all of their families on where to park, where to eat, where to breathe, where to sit, where to shit, all of that stuff. Like he gets every phone call from everybody. Hey, where should I wax? You know, like it's crazy. And of course, I'm exaggerating, but it really is hard to put on an event like this. And um, I can tell by, you know, I do these events for a living. And David, you know, as well. And so um, to put all of that together, and, and by the way, you know, six out of 10 times, it doesn't come off that good. Like the waves don't cooperate for Devin or whatever, you know, and this time everything came together. And, and, and I mean, I think the story, I'd like to get into the story of Joel Tudor, which I think is, is just incredible on a bunch of different levels. But Devin, you deserve all the credit in the world. What a great, great event. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. And I'm kind of a skeptic. I mean, you know, I could easily, you know, switch over to watch international ping pong or something, but, <laughs> but I was engaged and, and mostly, mostly because of the storyline of Joel Tudor. Well, that's cool. Thanks, Bass. Yeah, you definitely know. And, you know, look, the surfers they have, they're, they're pretty chill. It's not that bad. It's the, the tougher thing is the city, the, the vendors that you bring in to bring up and uh, put the tents up. But we got a lot of help from a guy named Darren Brillhart. Anybody who knows surfing probably knows that name. And Darren does a lot of events up and down the coast. And I think the WSL made a really good call and we hired him. So he did a lot of the, the back end sort of stuff. And so he made our life a lot easier. So we're pretty, you know, I, I can take some credit but a lot of it's all these people that rallied around. The, the thing that I've worked on and we've talked about in the past was the criteria is the most important thing for any surf competition, whatever it is, right? And we've seen the shortboard tour championship tour that's changed numerous times in just the last decade. You know, you look at it 10 years ago today, it's, it's different surfing. And we're sort of in an interesting position of, Longboard's gone back and forth from a lot of different approaches and the WSL, as we've talked about in the past, Hey, we want to, we really want to focus on traditional. And the reason is there needs to be a reason to tune in. Uh, if we tune, if, if we're asking people to tune in and it looks like a kind of weaker version of what we're already doing on a shortboard, it isn't going to work. And it was not working, but all indications are from the feedback from guys like you, from the message I'm getting, and the tune-in numbers 
for the Cuervo Classic were like six times larger than what was expected. Um, and I don't know what the numbers are in Malibu because I got home at midnight last night. I had to be here at Channel Islands this morning at 6 a.m. There's a TV show here interviewing Brit. So I'm, I'm, I haven't been able to really absorb anything. But um, the, 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 the thing is the, the, the criteria is the most important thing. And I know you appreciate that and you know that. And we have finally aligned the surfers and the World Surf League. Everyone on, is on board saying, this seems to be a good idea. And then you're seeing how it's the judging and the, that kind of surfing's advancing. You can argue about individual scores all day long, but what I've learned through this process is are the right people getting to the final? And I would say on the shortboard side of things too, you can get caught up in comparing scores from heat one in the quarterfinals to heat four and go, why'd that guy get an eight for that? And someone over here is doing literally the same thing, got a seven. And look at who's getting through and are, are, are the right people getting through that are surfing to the criteria? Um, along those exact lines, the women's final was scored higher than the men's and in shortboarding events, we can certainly define the difference between the men and the women. Um, the men's surfing is faster. There's more fins free surfing. It's more powerful. Is there a disparity between the men and women on the longboarding side? And how do you define the disparity if there is one? Um, you know, there isn't, there's not, there's no directive for that. I could have to go back and analyze it. Um, it's never discussed about gender. Um, if anything, it's the opposite. I think we've all often, we've often said that the men and women are more evenly matched in longboard surfing. And I yeah. think everyone agrees with that. And so if that came across for the event, uh, I don't think that was, there was anything intentional. I could only guess that some of the heats were really slow. There were huge lulls. Um, so what can happen is when there's no action for a long time, finally something's happening the judges might get excited. Um, or it might be some of the waves that the, some of the women had were in fact bigger than a lot of the, the waves that the men had. Um, if you compare, maybe that was the reason, I don't know. But to answer your question, it's not a direct, but did you see that? Did it feel like it came across that way? Well, well, let me chime in real quick yeah. because what's fascinating about this I, this concept or this question about disparity in scoring between men and women is that I look at the greatest longboarder in the world right now, Joel Tudor, in my opinion, and what defines his surfing is grace. He has an incredible amount of grace. It, it's like a regal thing it's like a royalty you know he's extremely graceful and guess what the women are they're graceful and, very graceful and it's and it's powerful and 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 i think it's great that they're both surfing to this ideal which is grace and uh, i don't know that i don't think there should be too much disparity i i, I think it's kind of a neat thing that yeah. you know like in a weird way at some point, maybe we're, we're having a superheat. Agreed. Yeah, no, I didn't mean to say that there was any, I wasn't criticizing at all. I was just kind of pointing out that yeah. uh, there is a David, lack of David, you've been disparity. canceled, okay? Right, we're <laughs> going to cancel your ass right I'm the, now. Um, I'm on the side of making it, just making it one non-gender specific you, You've been I mean, that's, that's been brought up. It's an interesting question, you know, and it's... Um, 
it's it, what, what moment do we do that? I'm sure we could experiment with it. I, um, but when you go back to, if, if you happen to watch the surf ranch, um, Soleil Erico in round one, um, she set the bar for both genders. Right. With yeah, 8.9. Yeah. And everything she was doing was just right up there with the men. I mean, you, they could have surfed against each other, no problem. And she yeah. would have won. And if you go back, um, Joel was the best surfer of the event, regardless of gender. Um, and what Scott's saying about the grace, it's incorporating it into uh, doing turns and everything. So certainly grace when you're on the nose and being delicate and all that sort of thing. But the way that he then comes out of that nose ride, cuts back and down straight into a bottom turn while he's doing that turning maneuver, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a subtle cross back stepping to the back part of the board which is where you need to be on it. But, you know, he's doing it very deftly and subtly. You almost can't notice his feet doing it. It's incredible. It's really incredible. It's a masterclass. Yeah. And we, so on the judging panel, if anyone's ever judged or even cares about this stuff, I'll just give you a quick run through. The challenge for longboarding has always been finding judges that understand those things, uh, the nuance, the subtleties. And for years and years and years, I've always heard, um, Hey, these, we got this great panel of judges. They're, they're on the CT or they're curious. They're insane judges and they are insane judges. I mean, it's really hard to judge. They have to understand crunch numbers quickly, be able to do comparisons, have good recall. It's a lot of skill sets that go into judging that it's really hard to appreciate until you sit in that chair. And the challenge for us is finding people that can take the criteria, be these amazing judges, but see that like catch those nuances and they're often, they're kind of hard to sort of even put into words. Um, and we had four seasoned shortboard judges. Our head judge is, was Lu, uh, Luli Pereira. He's from Brazil. He's the head judge of the women's CT. And he's also the top scoring judge on the CT. And he worked with us for the first time, these two events, and, and, and he brought a level of sophistication and consistency that we hadn't had in the last few years. You could disagree with scores, but as I was saying earlier, what I, I got a lot of feedback that people felt that the right folks were advancing. Yeah. So we were making some progress there. And is, um, is Joel Tudor the only world champ to ever win with dry hair? <laughs> he didn't, didn't get his hair wet in that. the final. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it got splashed, but he never once yeah. it never got fully wet in the final. He won the final with dry hair. I don't know. It could be that it's so much gray in it that it just kind of looks Whoa. dry, right? There we go. No, first, no, no. First, <laughs> first, okay. first arrow across the bow. I got, okay. I got another question for you guys then. The fact that he's the oldest world champ ever. I don't know if we actually said that yet or not, but Joel Tudor True. is the oldest world champ ever. Who cares more about that stat, Joel or Kelly Slater? Uh, that's a great question. Kelly. You know, that's sort of a, I, I don't know. I know that Joel, I know that Joel said something to Eric Logan about tell Kelly that I'm now the oldest. I know that that went down, um, but that's that probably happened tongue in, tongue in cheek too. Though, go ahead, Deb. Well, it was on Kook of the day too. Uh, it's kind oh, of everyone's had fun with that sound bite of the only thing that he's ever, you know, Joel said something like the only thing I've ever beaten Kelly at, you know, and is this thing and and, and then I think if they ever rolled. 
Yeah, well, I think Kelly responded to him on Kook of the Day. So I don't remember the exact quote, but something like, what What about the 30 times you pinned me to the mat? Because they're both into Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so well, it's just... The, the, I mean, that joke, my question actually has two parts to it. Number one, does Joel care about winning competitions, about winning world titles? Yes. And then the other part is Kelly definitely cares about not having that title. <laughs> Joel absolutely yeah. cares. There's does no he? doubt about it, especially... If it's done in the in sort of the framework that he's created, I mean, you know, as much as Devin's done to to bring uh, us back to where we need to be regarding the format and, and the judging criteria, um, and I'll let Devin chime in here, but let's not joke here. This is really Joel's format, uh, and we, and it, and in a weird way, it's not. I mean, it's just the way that longboarding should have been all along, but it kind of got sidetracked when Nat Young left the ASP and it just turned into like shortboarding on a longboard. Right. Um, but Devin, your thoughts on, on Joel, does he care that he's a competitor? I say absolutely. Yeah. That he's I a think champion. he cares a whole lot. If yeah. look, first of all, I just want to get this out of the way. There's a lot of people who could give two shits about competition. A lot of your listeners could care less. In a lot of ways, I kind of care less, you know, I, mean, I go back and forth and then Actually, I, the term is, you could not care less. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. If you cared less, Thank you. you should care less. Hey, look, I had three hours of sleep. No Give excuse, pal. Come no on, excuse. Bass. <laughs> we, couldn't care, we couldn't care less about your sleep deprivation, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I'm, and I'm drinking a beer to pull me back up. Holy the shit. Devin, you're, you're canceled. Hair, dude, I need hair of the dog. I just, it's like, you gotta have to, to get through this with Bass, I had to crack a beer. I'm sorry, man. I'm, kid I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't Bass. care. Uh, so, <coughs> look, go back. Rewind the clock. Okay, yeah. why did Joel won his world title in 2004? And during, and, and during all those times, it was a struggle even then to get across a traditional format. Joel had to, quote, unquote, conform. So he was riding those Donald Takayama two-plus-ones, and he was surfing in a traditional way, but it was, you know, he needed those side bites to get those little extra squirts here and there. Um, and, you know, he won with style. And I think he's happy how he won his titles. Then he said, screw this. They took a year off in 05. And when they returned, the, the whole thing just went the other way. And it was literally people hitting the lip vertical and not even touching the nose. They went that far. And he just said, screw this. He left literally with middle fingers in the air went to Vans and that's the, the duct tape is a 100% of middle finger to the ASP. It's true. And it's like, you know what? We'll just take our toys. We'll go somewhere else. We're going to another sandbox later. He does it. Uh, the ASP keeps going on doing their thing. One event a year uh, never really gets anywhere. No one seems to care about it, but all of a sudden people are sort of following what Joel's doing and it takes time. And the duct tape becomes a thing. Other events pop up. The Deus nine foot, uh, what is it? The nine foot and single, like all these like individual events. Who, who won that event? Who won that event? The oh, I don't know. Maybe some guy named Devin Howard. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when I was 40, yeah, I was the old guy. That was, that was a lot of fun. And so it was interesting that the, the ASP and then the WSL could have, you know, they've been crowning world champions since 1986. And no one seemed to have like, no, it was just a free for all. No one was really in control of it. No one knew what to do with it. So all these things popped up. And then a few years ago, um, 
excuse me, Wingnut got a hold of me and said, hey, WSL is finally like gets it. They want to turn this thing around. They've got a new format that, that focuses on traditional longboard surfing. We need someone who can kind of, as you said, you know, wrangle all the kitty cats and get them going in the right direction. And I was thinking, God, do I want to do this? Like, oh man, this sounds like there's so many better things to do with my time. But the reason I said yes to it was when I reached out to some of the potential surfers who would get involved in the fact that it would like leave a legacy and help them and maybe put this thing on the right path so that if I turned on the WSL, that I wouldn't immediately turn it off. Because this, whether I'm involved or not, this was going to be a thing. It was going to be on, the WSL was going to do it. So I'm not, it's not like I saved it. I just helped get it up and going in the right direction so that it wasn't a total fail. And now at the end of the day, you either like this stuff or you don't. Um, I've been around longboard a long time. I get all the jokes, you know, rollerbladers of the sea. All I take, like, I can take all the hits on that. It's hilarious. But it is, it does deserve a place in our world in preserving tradition. And in our modern culture, especially Americans, we burn through things quickly. Tradition and culture gets tore up for new stuff. And we like to sort of be progressive and move on. I do think it's worthwhile to protect this and celebrate the great things of it because what Joel's doing and what everyone else is doing, those women, especially that goes way back hundreds of years. I mean, I, we weren't there. I don't know how the Hawaiians rode waves, but I'm going to assume a lot of this goes way back. It would you have know, to just was, based on the way the boards were designed. It's yeah, the way you ride them. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I've I mean, got a question that relates to all of that stuff. Uh, what was kind of the zenith, or are we in it, of earning potential for professional longboarders? What era? Um, where are we in that sort of trajectory, you mean? When was What's... it, and are we in it now? Yeah, I'm just curious, oh. like, when they were chasing that high pro thing, did that make them more oh. marketable and make more money? Or is the traditional way, or has there ever been a way to make a living in professional? I don't, yeah, think, I, think that's, yeah, that's I don't think there still is a way. Okay. Um, most of the longboarders know that it's not really a thing. Um, no one, no longboarders make a living with the exception of, I can name them on one hand, Joel Tudor, Tyler Warren, Alex Nost. And then, you know, on the women's side, Honolulu Bloomfield, um, and then try like look it's i'm already running out of names like it's really hard what about um Cassia? what about uh what's his name who uh rides for firewire um taylor jensen taylor yeah uh I, I not through a clothing brand i think probably through firewire and those endorsements but most of the longboard surfers they've got other gigs you know they're either coaching yeah. or they're, they're working doing surf lessons so they're we're not really there yet you know um i think though it's Making a living is on the lowest end of the concerns. I think getting this thing right is the first thing. And so I was celebrating uh, with Harrison Roach last night, who I would say, um, you know, I got the most feedback from people as who, who nailed the criteria in both these events um, and looked likely to win the world title was, was Harrison. And he, this is, these are his words. He said, if the WSL wasn't doing this, and you weren't involved, I, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't be here. You know, I'd rather just do Joel's duct tapes. So back to the point of Joel and this whole thing, Joel sees where we're heading and he comes to New York before the pandemic, the end of 2019. And 
you know, he, he ends up getting in the uh, semifinals with Connie and makes a splash, put, put the jersey on for the first time. And then he got a little taste of like, well, I served from the bottom all the way to the semifinals. What if I took this a little more seriously? Shows up to Noosa, served in the very first heat in the trials practically, won all his heats all the way to the final and won the thing. And then he could, you know, he could sort of taste another world title. COVID happens. We go on break. We come back. We go to the surf ranch. And he was like thinking, man, a world title is really doable. But he rides the wrong board. And he rode kind of a tail dragger. And he regrets riding that board. He had this other like Joe Blair that would have been better, that was more rocker. So things got really interesting. We get to Malibu. And there's three people. There's Kai Salas. Harrison Roach and Joel are all right in line. And it was really interesting how it came together. And, you know, Harrison lost it by that much. He, he took a, a, a small wave when he should have waited and uh, Ben out the back got that eight. Yeah. And it was, it yeah. Was, you know, pretty much Joel. Yeah. So, that's mentally that heat, the semifinal Harrison Roach took the first wave and kind of blew it and he fell. And yes. um, it seemed like you saw the whole thing disappear right then. He peaked like when his early. when he lost his board, I was like, okay, this isn't the way he'd been surfing prior. No, no. So, you know, the thing with Joel, I think it does mean a lot. And I I, I would be surprised. I mean, he didn't make any statements, but I don't think he feels any need to come back. I think he feels that it's like he cemented his name. He I think he feels cheated in a way, and but he also feels vindicated, you know. Um to have sort of walked and turned his back on the ASP because he felt they turned his back on what, you know, was his point of view, whether he's right or wrong, that's up for debate, but that was his point of view. And well, uh, look, I, my feeling is, you know, I, I feel like that. So, and I sent, I sent Eric a, a text yesterday and I, and I'll, I'll tell you this. And I, I think somebody should run with this. And I told Joe, Joe Tudor this, this morning, Somebody needs to do a documentary film, a really good one, warts and all documentary film on Joel Tudor. I think he's a fascinating <laughs> character. Of course, Devin and I, I've known him since he was 11 years old when he first started doing this thing. And when you look, people don't know the different layers of Joel. And it's kind of fascinating. First of all, he's extremely polarizing, which is great if you're producing a film. You know, like love him or hate him, you're going to go see the movie. And, um, and there's quite a few layers. So, you know, there's some stuff happened to him. Um, you know, it started at Malibu. Um, and there's characters like Lance O'Connor. There's guys that would be interviewed if this was done correctly. And well, I want everyone's point of view on this. And then I want Joel to chime in on it. And, and, and stuff happened there at Malibu that, that moved, uh, you know, to, to Makaha and got really weird there. And of course, all the, while that's happening, Joel's kind of also making a name for him at, himself at Pipeline. And at some point he goes, you know what? I need to teach myself to defend. I, I need to defend myself. And he becomes a gold medalist in jujitsu at the Pan Am games. He goes to the Canary Islands. He does all of this stuff. And this is just touching the tip of the iceberg. If you really started to excavate, there's a bunch of stuff. I mean, you can talk about marijuana. You can talk about raising kids. You can talk about what just happened yesterday. All of this stuff, it, it's, it's really, he's a fascinating character. And he's a perfect character for a warts and all series, like a documentary, kind of like what we saw with HBO and the 100 Wave. 
um, something like that. If you know somebody could sink their teeth into that, they would have an incredible character to uh, unpack. I nominate you, Bass. I think you. <laughs> I think you've got some spare time. Well, he's got filmmaking in his credits too. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Look, I, I just want to see it done. I, I'm just an end user that wants to. I just know that it's it's kind of like it's hanging right there. Like it would be so good. This is not uh, like isn't surfing great super spiritual bitching movie. This is like holy no. shit. You know, there's a lot of stuff that went down here. You know, and it continues to go down. Like to this day, Joel's polarizing. Yeah, and he's completely unfiltered and exactly. You know, like people love to hate him. It's like he keeps thing, you know, beach grit and those sort of people going. You know, it's just like <laughs> every couple of months it's some other blood feud with Joel, or you know, he's yelling at people for calling him, you know, mid lengths, you freaking idiots, you know, or it's always something every week. So it's I agree, it would be amazing. And you know, he's always kind of had like a big mouth in a way. And so he had to learn jujitsu to protect himself. Um, and now his mouth is more from, this isn't me defending him. This is just what he says. He just, he believes that things should be um, sort of remembered and shared correctly. You know, like, you know, we, we, uh, surfers are, we're so, we talk about this all the time. We're, we're supposed to be these free spirits and we're not. Um, there's a lot of dogma in surfing and he believes in it. A lot of us do. And we follow these certain rules and he wants to pass on the things he got from Donald and that whole generation where they were really blunt and they told dirty jokes and talked a lot of shit. And that's just the way it was. And he grew up around that. So that's how he sees the world. You know, he idolizes people like Herbie Fletcher who are just really blunt <laughs> and just don't care. You know, and yeah. they're not here to make you feel good. They're like, that's just the fucking way it is, man. You know, yeah. like that's how it is. And so people read that, and they go, wow, this guy's a freaking twat. You know, like they say heavy stuff. Um, and again, it's just he has to own who he is and and he doesn't make any excuses. So it would be extremely entertaining. <laughs> there is a lot of stuff out there that people don't know about. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. You know. Yeah, there's been Makaha some stuff. stuff is gold. <laughs> yeah, there's some Makaha stuff. There's some, there's some punch outs. There's some drama there that would be fascinating to uncover. And of course, there's uh, Joe, his father, and the situation. Everyone knows of the situation in Malibu, and and it, and the, frankly, the legal part of that. You know, like what what happened? You know, it wasn't pretty. Yeah. You know, hey, look, uh, Joe, who everyone knows about the fight at Malibu in '94. Joe and Denise were there yesterday and, you know, I don't want to whatever point out Joe, but, you know, he was holding back the tears and everything. I mean, it was, I think that was a pretty emotional thing. I don't, I don't know Absolutely. if he's even been back there since then, man. Like it's been a long time yeah. and there they were 27 years later or whatever it is. And there's said, Joel getting the third one. You said everybody knows about the fight in Malibu. I have a feeling there's a lot of listeners who don't know. Do we have to tell that story? Or? Yeah, we should probably tell it. I mean, uh, I Devin can probably tell the, can, Devin the highlights. Can I mean, it, look, there was a contest in 94. It was the world championship event, Oxbow. There was a guy in the water, and everyone knows when you have an event uh, to clear the, you know, you clear the water. All the surfers hate that. Um, this uh, gentleman that was out there, he was like, well, I don't have to leave, you know, and 
And I respect people that challenge authority. I, you know, there's something there. I, I get it. You know, like even if um, it's a kneeboarder. <laughs> kneeboarder. Yeah. And, Just kidding. I love you, kneeboarders. You're all wonderful. I'm a kneeboarder. Go ahead. <laughs> you know what? We start as uh, belly boarders and kneeboarders, and we'll probably end up there again because yes. we're gonna have trouble standing up later. But I kneeboarded today, and I didn't mean to, but it just happened. <laughs> but I interrupt. Go ahead. No, it's okay. I mean, the short version is, um, you know, Joe took it upon himself because there's nobody on a jet ski. There's no water uh, patrol or whatever. So Joe, you know, Joe goes out to talk to the guy, and the guy basically says, "F you." hits Joe across the face with his uh, swim fin. And then him and Joe are in a tussle and um, Lance Hokano comes out to his aid. And let's just say it didn't go very well for this other guy. And it was recorded. It was, you know, early video cameras. This is like the first viral video, really. I mean, if there's such a thing pre-internet, it ends up on a current affair. If you remember that show, anybody? Yeah. I think Maury Povich was the, was the host of it. It ends up all over the world. It was the first real case that in, it ended up in court. Um, it was the first one that I'm aware of that really focused in on, uh, you know, prosecuting someone for fighting in the surf. And Joe ended up sort of taking the fall for the thing, even though Joe didn't inflict the damage. Um, and he suffered for it, you know, and it was really hard on their family. Uh it was a sort of an ugly thing in surfing and I'll just leave it at that. You can look up all this stuff. Did he go um, to jail? Uh, I, no, there wasn't any jail, but it was just, you know, there was litigation and a lot of yeah. money spent. And I think just sort of a stain in general on the event, uh, uh, on the family, on the guy that, you know, come to find out the guy actually had some injuries that he had sustained from falling in an empty pool, like a month before that he blamed on the fight, you know? So it's just like a bunch of weird shit that happened. Yeah. not saying he deserved to be punched, um, yeah. but it just got weird. And yeah. so it was, I think, whatever, I don't know that nice is the right word, but it was good to see that there was a, a close of just sort of this loop to like, because Joel like ends up losing that event like in, in the final, because I think it was uh, three Hawaiians and him in the final and they did the old tactic anybody who competed in the old days when you sit on people there was team tactics from wherever you were from there was a bunch of californians and you could help one of your friends win you just sit on them and it was sort of a controversial deal so it was just an ugly thing well the way i heard it was that that the three hawaiians um basically they drew straws to see who, who they all agreed that whoever is in last place after the first set that comes through that person's going to sit on Joel and make sure Joel doesn't catch any waves. I forgot about and it that. Was it was Lance O'Connor. It was Lance O'Connor and the other two Hawaiians got through. It was probably like Albert Jenks and somebody else, Bonga or somebody. I think it was Bonga. Drew the and, short straw. And, no, Lance drew the short straw and had to sit on uh, Joel. This is what I heard. Again, I, this no, is I, just through the grapevine. I, I, th I think that's the story. I think that's true. And, and then on, on the podium... Joel basically told him he's I and again this is this is secondhand I can't verify this but on the podium or near the podium or whatever Joel basically said to all the Hawaiians the Hawaiians can go fuck themselves or something along those lines which really that's what kind of kicked kicked the whole thing off so then Joel goes to Makaha for the next event and it's not it doesn't go good for Joel 
you know, yeah, their lives are things thick. that I, we're not going to talk about that just it got a little sideways out there for him. <laughs> That'll uh, be in the movie. <laughs> yeah, this is where the movie comes in. This is why I don't want to do the movie. It up. Some, who, some producer Somebody take the movie because I don't want to be the guy that I don't want the I don't need the drama of it all. No, well, I just want to watch it. It does highlight though something that is uh, Joel isn't the only guy with the interesting story. And I think this might actually relate to my question about money is if they're not making an earning off of, or a professional living off of longboarding, they're all living actual real lives. They all have real jobs. They're all becoming interesting individual characters. And so the cast of characters in the longboard scene is infinitely more interesting than a lot of the homogeneity that we see on the shortboard scene. And there's a lot of story to unpack for the WSL if they really wanted to get into it. Oh, I don't think the WSL would do it justice. It needs to well, be not the documentary, film. but just yeah. telling the story of their athletes. Yeah, there's more stories to tell. You know. Well, and to your point about when was the like the halcyon days of making money in longboarding, there was a moment, and Devin can speak to this too. And I would say it was right around the mid '90s when the magazine was pretty solid. I think Longboard Magazine. I think Mace was running it at that point. Scott Hewlett. I think Devin maybe worked for Mace. I'm not positive. And there was advertising dollars going into this media package that was, you know, helping to support the athlete, you know? And so there were guys that were, I'm not saying they were making a lot of money, but there was probably, you know, a, a yeah. monthly stipend coming into more than a few of them, including Colin McPhillips and, and Bonga and, and Russ yeah. K and Lance, you know, there was guys, there was people, you know? And so I think, Maybe the mid '90s was the best time to be making money in longboarding, Oxbow I, and all of that crap. I think it. Um, we probably could move on because I'm sure people are falling asleep on this by now. But I'll, I'll add that um, I think it's more in 2004, five, six because you had Thomas Campbell's The Seedling come out, and I think that that was a connect. A lot of people connected with that. That was sort of like the opening of something happening, which was what is Joel's impact really is on the culture. You know, like who cares about the world titles and stuff like, yeah, that's great. That always validates a career, but the real impact and the most important things in all our lives is what is happening in the culture. And that was where, what his impact was. And by the time we get to 2004, another movie, um, Sprout was sort of the, you know, the evolution of that. And that's when you start seeing Rob Machado, uh, the Malloys and a lot of other people sort of embracing this ride, everything, Dave Rostovich. And I think that really opened up things. And now all of a sudden, Alex knows Tyler Warren and those sorts of folks were getting real like legit salaries from Billabong and Ruka and those sorts of companies. Yeah. And then, you know, and that's sort of where it was. I don't think it's really changed since then. And longboarding is always more about uh, lifestyle stuff the average person on the weekend, what are they doing? They're going to the beach and they're probably pulling out a longboard at most spots. Yeah. Um, if they're not pulling out a longboard, they're pulling out an alternative craft. And the longboard thing has a lot of ties to all alternative craft. Totally. You know? Um, and even Tyler Warren, you keep referencing him as a longboarder. I don't know that the general public thinks of him as a longboarder. He rides really? a longboard. Yeah. I mean, I've seen him riding fish and other boards just as frequently as I've seen him riding longboards. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, at any rate, Scott and I need to take a commercial break, Devin. And when we come back, we'll actually reveal who the winners were for the Malibu Classic because we haven't even, we talked about Joel the entire time, but there was a women's division as well. So we'll get to that when we come back from commercial. Whoop, whoop, whoop. 
whoop.com promo code is the word surf. You get a free whoop 4.0 strap and 15% off your membership when you use our promo code surf. 4.0, like my age, 4.0. And what is whoop, Scott? What does it mean to you? How has it affected your life? Well, look, the whoop 4.0 is really, for me, the best part about it is the sleep, like the ability to gauge my sleep, which I don't seem to be getting very much of. It does a lot of cool things, but for me, I, I really like, you know, it monitoring my sleep and where I'm at with that. And It's a digital fitness tracker. It is the most advanced fitness wearable on the market. The 4.0 version is. John John Florence uses it. Uh, Nathan Florence has been using it. And although it's a tr fitness tracker, it's really designed around the concept of recovery. And so it's important to not just monitor your exertion, but also monitor what's going on at night and how well you're sleeping and your body's processing all of that and recovering, and then apply it to your workout. Yeah, the 4.0, it basically tells me, hey, today's a recovery day, or today you can go full 110%, or today maybe just go 80%, whatever the case may be. And uh, it's, it's a powerful tool for people like me and you and Devin that are living, you know, aggressive lifestyles. The cool thing about the 4.0 strap is that it is smaller, sleeker. It is a biometric tracker. So it sits on your wrist, but it uh, is so small that it actually fits under your wetsuit. So you can wear it 24 hours a day. It um, measures skin temperature, blood oxygen, much, much more all of that information gets sent to your phone. So the device itself doesn't have a screen. There's no buttons. There's no annoying notifications, but you can open up the app on your phone and it has all of your vitals. Super important information that you could then share with a physician, a coach, a personal trainer. It's just automatically collecting that data 24 seven, whether you're working or sleeping. So whoop.com is the website, W-H-O-O-P. And then use our promo code, which is the word surf, and you will get 15% off your membership and a free whoop 4.0 strap. Right on whoop 4.0 whoop.com promo code surf. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious. And there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references. And now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
So Devin, um, <laughs> we kind of buried the lead through all the Joel talk, but Joel won over Ben Skinner in the final. And Alice, what is the proper pronunciation of her name? Uh, Alice. So that's how in French, Alice. Uh, Alice uh, Lemon. Alice Lemon over Honolulu Bloomfield, who actually took the world title based on her accumulation of points. Uh, tell me about Alice. This is my first introduction to her. Um, she's from St. Lou. Uh, originally, I think she's living part-time in France because you got the whole shark issue going on. And in, in, correct me if I'm wrong, the last I checked, there's a lot of the parts of St. Lou you're not even allowed to go in the water because of the shark problem. Is that? Does anyone know if that's changed? I don't know if that's current or not, but that's certainly been the case over the past <laughs> few years. Yeah. I think it's funny um, that you think that we would know what the shark situation. I don't is know. <laughs> I don't even. You I don't even like, know what the shark situation is here. Aren't you like the news of surfing now? Are you, I mean, what? all the magazines are gone. It's just you guys and Stab and Beach Grit. That's all that's left. So you should know they're in trouble. Bass. Surfers are in deep <laughs> trouble, man. Uh, if they want to know about North County, San Diego, they've come to the right place. <laughs> All the Cardiff gossip from Scott Bass. Oh, my uh, Lord. But uh, we I, missed I, you, Devin. <laughs> not really. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, no. But I, look, Elise, she's a, a you know, she's a, a young up and comer. She has kind of a, I'd say, a high performance longboard background. And she is one of many surfers that looked at this new criteria went and did the work and is on board and what a difference what a transformation and she's probably the most uh i'd say well liked of the women i mean everyone loves her she's just just a great great young lady and she she charges you know as the waves get bigger she just gets more and more confident because of that experience uh, in st lou where the waves as you know if you know anything about those waves pretty heavy wave totally yeah shallow reefs yeah um i have a suggestion recommendation for any of the female longboarders listening to this um i feel like there is such ripe potential for a vlog like for talking about earning look at what jamie o'brien's done look at what ben gravy's done kind of on the short board and yeah. also i don't know shenanigans side of things i feel like there's no longboarder that owns the vlog space and this lends itself i think more to the female longboarders than it than the male longboarders Yes. Somebody like Tia Blanco, who's, you know, incorporating yoga and wellness and uh, her diet and all that sort of stuff into her social media feed. Somebody that's got like a lot more going on that they could document on a daily basis or a weekly basis. So I don't know if Elise is this person. I feel like Honolulu would be a good fit for this. She would or Kalia Moniz. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. I mean, she's pretty... Kalia Moniz is the biggest sort of um, star, if you will, in terms of just, you know, like she rolls with Justin Bieber's wife and her husband, uh, Joe, he shoot, you know, he's like a New York fashion guy and does all this crazy stuff. And, and she's rad, you know, she grew up with a lot of brothers. So she's just got this real like roll with it attitude and pretty fun. Um, I'm going to suggest that I'm going to say, I got an idea for you. Yeah, she's a, Whether, she's a new mom too. So there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen with a little kid in tow. So the reality is it takes a very specific personality type who even wants to put their life on display and be in front of the camera that much. Yeah. But you're right. Her life is ripe for it. And the I think yeah. the internet and the audience is ripe for it. You know, yeah. like we want it. Yeah, you know, and she did really well. I mean, she took out um, 
her fellow Hawaiian and the person who was sort of in the second and third position for the world title, Kalis Kaliopaa, who yep. won Nusa. And she took her out, and um, which is pretty cool because a lot of people forget Kalia Moniz has two world titles. She's only 27, I think, and a mom and has already done all these really cool things. So she's in a really good space. And, um, you know, with, this, with the Moniz family, there's just like lots going on there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass that note on to her. Thank you. Yeah, I, she probably doesn't need the, the work. It sounds like though. Um, let me let me say this because um, I thought this was uh, needs to be discussed, or at least let me say it. I thought that the commentary during yesterday's event was spectacular, and specifically that young woman Shannon. I forget her last name, but on Instagram, and I think it's Shannon, Shannon reporting. Yeah, Shannon Hughes. Shannon Hughes did a really did a great job she did a awesome. great job she was clear she was concise she listened it looked like she was engaging with them uh, i'm not saying that there are others on the ct side of the equation that, that don't do a good job either but um and the, and the, and like chad uh, marshall and i think troy mother's head was in there like everything i heard and you, you got to understand with those guys if if, I hope, if there's a critique or something they are green, green. They're just there as the analyst, as like the pros who could do it. So what, what was your take? What was my the take was they were great. Scorecard. My, my take was that they were great because they weren't trying to, they weren't trying to like over talk, you know, like it was just like Chad was on the beach having a beer with his brother there. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, I've got to squeeze this, these words into this blank time. Cause if there's blank, you know, if there's, if there's a empty space here in this commentary, then um, I'm not doing my job. It was the opposite of that. He was just like, yeah, you know, what? I don't know. I'm speechless right now. You know, that's the kind of thing he was saying. Right. He's like, I thought it was really good. And I thought Shannon did a good job. And believe me, I'm looking at it from a critical eye. Like I, I want to be able to come on the podcast and go, oh, they were really lame. But I, <laughs> I think that they were wonderful. And I think that, um, you know, Shannon should probably be looked at uh, over on the other side of the, the equation right. on the CT side. Uh, we had a special guest appearance from Joe Trapel, which is the first time we've had in the thing that Joe does, whether, whether you're into him, his style or not, I know everyone has their favorites on the CT. And the thing that I heard from a lot of people, um, especially behind the scenes was that Joe elevates the, the whole program because he's so good. He doesn't even need the script. He just knows how to kind of keep things moving and, and, and I think Kaipo is a good sort of like a uh, hype guy too, you know, like to have that. So, so that whole crew sounds like it worked out pretty well. I didn't get to hear one word of it. I still get to see it. I'm on the beach. I'm talking to competitors, their parents, their Jersey. Where's that person? He's asleep in his car. Go get him. You know, I'm just doing all this all day. So, well, the other thing that Joe brings to the equation is he's a bridge between this real international world championship tour and sort of this i don't know how you want to characterize the world the longboard tour but lucy certain, goosey well it's it's more maybe it's like um you know the little brother or something anyway point is is that because joe was there he helps to bridge both of these things and to and to i don't want to say add validity to it because it was extremely potent and valid and cogent i just think there was some glue there that he brought to it that was helpful. So Bass, I'm waiting for you to plug one of your best friends in the world, Wayne really? Rich. 
His Wait team a one. Honolulu Blomfield was riding a Wayne Rich. Yeah, I called Wayne. I actually texted him during the event, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And <laughs> um, and he called me this morning. But we, you know how it is with Wayne. If you don't have an hour and a half, it's don't even start. You know. <laughs> so uh, I, I need to reach out. We, we've been meaning to hook up, but yeah, Wayne making. Of course, he makes some of my favorite boards that I'm riding now, and um, and he's making boards for Honolulu. And I knew he was. He was frost. He was freaking out about the. Uh, the surf ranch event about the board that he was going to make for her. So I'm stoked for Wayne and, you know, and he is one of my dear friends and one of your dear friends. Oh yeah. No, he's a good, good lad, but you, what any other thoughts on this? Yeah. Well, no, I was just going to say it may be too early to ask this, but what does 2022 look like for the longboard tour? Well, I do have a call at four o'clock today to sort of cement some of this stuff, but what it is unofficially is, is returning to Malibu for sure. Um, barring, you know, if, if the community of Malibu wants to rise up and tell us to get effed, um, we won't be going back. But everything we've heard is that Malibu would like us back. The city was really stoked. Um, all of the main sort of locals that are interfacing with the break daily were down on the beach. And I mean, no one protested. No one burned down the scaffold or told us to go after ourselves. Uh, and I'm sorry to any of the locals listening that hate contests, because I totally appreciate that. Like, showing up and like, good Lord, there's a contest. Um, so we're definitely going back to Malibu, it looks like. Um, we want to keep that as sort of our finale. And I think the, the model that we're looking at building with this thing is sort of like a triple crown model. Because I think it's, a, it's, it's setting the bar too low to do just one event. I think it's a little bit of a letdown at this stage. Like we've, been, we've done that for so many years. I think, yeah. I think there's sort of the appetite for more than that. And I don't know that we really need more than three right now. I think it's a good place to kind of build a story, a little bit of drama, shake things up. So the other location is the birthplace of surfing. We're in serious talks and really close to closing something pretty amazing in uh, the South Shore. I'll just say at the Waikiki zone. I can't say the break yet, but uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> What's so funny? Surfers are the worst. Surfers are the worst. We all know the break, for God's sakes. <laughs> hey, it's one of those breaks that you know. Yeah. And um, there are many possibilities. You might not know which one we're talking about. Maybe. And then there's another California break. So let me put it to you. What? Let another me, California let me you, break? Let me, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Should we go back to Surf Ranch? Yes or I think no? You, I think you should. I think that wave is actually better for longboard uh, contests than shortboard contests. I'll you tell do. you why. It's so fast. Look, what are we doing on a longboard? We're going straight, more or mostly. less. We're mostly going straight and we're getting on the nose. And I think a wave like that really provides um, opportunity for, see, for us to see who's really a good surfer. You have to be a good surfer to go that fast on the nose. And to also suddenly move around. You know, one thing I told David a couple weeks ago when I was watching the Surf Ranch event while we were recording, you can see the guys that are cross-stepping and who are shuffling. And to me, that needs to be a point of differentiation as we move forward with the judges. We're because, working on that. I totally there's guys agree. and the world champion not uh, is also in this discussion that shuffle back instead of cross step. Those are things that, um, you know, there's going to be a point in time when we see the best longboarders in the world walk up to the nose and hang 10 for about 150 yards and then pull into that left-hand tube and come out. And I just think it's a really good longboard wave. I think it's it, it's... You know, it's going to do a lot for the development of design, 
uh, surfboard design because that way it's difficult to figure out. Well, Honolulu is 10 at Surf Ranch was yeah. similar, similar to what you're talking about. Yeah. Basically what happened right there. Yeah, totally. So uh, what about you, David? Did it you know, do anything for you? Go back or don't go back? <laughs> it's, it's, I, it's an open discussion right now. I'm just curious. Genuinely. I can't I can't argue against Scott's point. I've become pretty, which is surprising because I've become pretty deranged about uh, Surf I Ranch. Oh. Yeah, exactly. No, about Surf Ranch, just because I feel like it was foisted upon us um, in the competitive <laughs> arena so much. And then also with the surf, the ultimate surfer then. And it was just like, I've seen so much of it, but the longboarding event was a fresh take on it. And there's no arguing against it being a phenomenal longboard wave. So I'm going to set aside my derangement and I will give you approval. Okay. Take the leashes off, Devin. Why the leashes? It's not, I mean, you know this, you've heard it's, this is their policy. It has to do with the board hitting the liner yeah, I know, or the I know. net. Yep. But I, I saw... Didn't Slater, I thought, I swear I saw Slater not wearing a leash at, at the one of the recent events there. Pretty oh, sure. really? Yeah. And Let there's a skateboarder guy that was doing it without a leash. Um, my thoughts on the surf ranch are, it's all in context with where the other events are. In other words, I'm actually okay with, actually I'm not, I don't give a shit about it from a shortboard point of view. But my feeling is if they have it there, then they also need to have it at Mavericks. Like you just can't, give it to Philippe Toledo and not give it to John John. Like, so anyway, my point is in context to the longboard thing, if the other two events are legit event spots like Queens or castles or Publix or whatever, or um, Noosa, and we know Malibu's there. And frankly, I think you could probably put church in the equation and or San Onofre. San Onofre. Yeah. Uh, a lot well, of people think that, because if you look at the stories, you know, like if this thing is about tradition, then why not hold them at spaces that have some cultural depth? You know, yeah, and so, I agree. Stand enough for I just I'm you know because I'm a regular foot. I'm more well. That's why that's church. why Surf Ranch has relevance too. Is that it's a it has a left you know that yeah. competes with those other rights that you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Um, I wanted to say one other thing about the hanging ten for 150 feet because. I want to get your take on this. So, and, and let us know, I'd like to know if we're doing going and setting off in the right direction. So back to the criteria, I'm just going to read it. It's only two sentences. The surfer must perform controlled maneuvers in the critical section of the wave, utilizing the entire board and the wave using traditional longboard surfing. The surfer who performs this to the highest degree of difficulty with the most style, flow, and grace will receive the highest score for a ride. And then there's just a couple bullet points. And the following are key elements to consider within this criteria, variety, nose riding and rail surfing, which is completely different than tail surfing, critical section of wave, speed and power, commitment, control and footwork. And why I wanted to come back to the nose ride thing, where the critique of, of some folks is, is, is that too much tail riding is boring. We already covered that earlier in the show. Is too much nose riding boring? Is it too sort of easy? Is it more risk to be on the nose in, in a functional manner and then get out of there and risk things by turning the board and putting the surfer deeper yet again and going to an additional nose riding move, maneuver? And you know, as someone who rides longboards, that's really difficult to do. Um, 
we're sort of pushing more in that direction and we're kind of trying to push away from the nose ride only. There are obviously some moments in the event where some scores got a little out of hand with that. Um, I believe the best thing is that sort of Nat Young or what Joel Tudor, uh, Quintal, Sole Erico, Honolulu Bloomfield, where they're mixing it up more. I think that's a little more interesting. What's your guys' take on the long nose rides as opposed to the sort of variety piece of it? Well, my take on it is that the wave is going to dictate what I'm going to do. And when I'm out free surfing, I'm not going, oh, I've got to go get on the nose, but wait, because I need a score, I better go out onto the rail. The wave's going to tell me when to go onto the rail. And the wave's going to tell me when to stay on the nose. And if the wave tells me to stay on the nose the whole time, guess what? I'm staying on the nose the whole time. And it's so the, the wave's going to dictate what happens. And, and ran, the ranch is unique because it is true that you could probably be on the nose for three, four, 80% of the wave. Like Honolulu. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that that setting that you're using at the ranch will allow you to do that. There's other settings that would make it uh, where you could act, where the fast part actually slows down and then you would need to get on the tail. Yeah. Um, so I, I fully agree with Scott. The wave should dictate it. And all those other waves have those fast and slow spots. But I think your um, criteria already covers that because those first two sentences said using the complete length of your board, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So that yeah, already implies it. Board. Yeah. yeah. And, and utilizing it in the wave. And the most important part of it is critical section in, in high yeah. degree of difficulty, because you, if you're nose riding out on the shoulder, that's, that's, that's just, lame. you know, that that's is lame. lame. And you can tell, you see those nose rides of the other surfers where there's almost no wave underneath the nose. That's how I, By like, the way, this is where Shannon was so great because she used the word levitation, which I thought was the perfect word for this. And it's the moment, De Devin, that you're talking about when you're hanging yeah. down in the pocket. And there's actually space underneath your board between you and the, the wave. Correct. Because the tail's got so much water on it that you're being levit. So anyway, Shannon, kudos. And you're right. Go ahead, Devin. I interrupt. Well, no. And then if you don't have that space and as uh, CJ Nelson pointed out to me one time, he's like, if, if I can see your tail of your board from shore, chances are you're pretty far out on the shoulder. You know, so yeah. far in the mushy stuff where you can literally almost see the tail. The yeah. tail should be stuffed way back in the, in the pocket. Yeah. Right. The barrel's going over the board that you can't see it. And that's, I, I also say a proper nose ride is like, it's like a deep tube ride. If you're, if you're looking at it, a proper tube ride, I can't see the surfer. They're buried in there. They're gone. Um, you know, it's the same thing. Like if I can see a bunch of the board way out in front of the wave, um, you're not deep yeah. enough. You know, you're well, not in the critical spot of the wave. Yeah. I'll build, I'll build on that tube ride analogy because um, yeah, we could all say the nose riding is the pinnacle and tube riding is the pinnacle. And if you're at pipe, there's an argument that could be made. You get barreled, you come out and you do a turn and then finish with an air. You might think that's the best score, but the reality is when a proper big macking set comes, you can get a 10 point ride on that barrel. So if a proper, incredible fast wave came at Malibu and somebody nose rode it from the outside to the inside, because that's what the section called for, then that would be worth a 10 as well. In that case, you don't need to use the entirety of the board or right, do turns from the tail. If the wave is that amazing, you know? That's like a big, yeah, a big moment like the uh, was it Slater's 540? Was that a Bell's? 
Was that a few years ago? Yeah. No. Well, there was one in. Um, yeah, there was one in New York, but there was one at Bell's too. You're right against. Twenty two, yeah, and they gave him a huge score. I want to say it was a ten for one move. So yeah, that's always up for debate. But um, look, so as far as next year goes, that's sort of what we're looking at. And um, so no Noosa. Well, Noosa right now, the, here's the problem with Australia. Um, it's really okay. difficult until we understand um, yeah. when they're uh, sort of done with the authoritarian approach of things and, and uh, get their head on straight. Because it's, it's, the surfers are trapped in that country. Yeah. They can't, they could, we have several surfers who are going to get last place points. They couldn't come. It's too expensive. Um, you know, they've, they've, got the vaccines they got all that stuff but they'd have to spend about 10 grand just to get there and back quarantine yeah. and tickets and all so australia is kind of on pause until we know what is happening down there unfortunately right and right. no disrespect to my friends in australia but it is it's it's frustrating to see a lot of them that are in the big cities if, if my friends in outside of the big cities there say i don't know why the americans really care so much about what's going on down here you know and we're just cruising around everything's fine but if you're in uh, Melbourne, if you're in Sydney, it's a whole different story, or it has been. Yeah. So, um, before we depart, I've got a listener line call, uh, Scott, uh, that somebody wants you to um, change your mantra from surfers are the worst to surfers are the best. Oh, wow. okay. Devin, Devin, would you like to sit around for this? Yeah, I want to hear. I want to hear him talk through this one. This is it, great. It comes straight from Waikiki, as a matter of fact. So it's relevant that we were talking about that. Uh, here we go. Aloha, David and Scott. Shukin calling in from Waikiki. As a fairly longtime listener of the Spit podcast, um, I've grown quite an affinity for uh, Mr. Triple Shot Scott. Um, admittedly, though, it did take a while. May I suggest? <laughs> We start by rewording your mantra to one more suitable of your core belief about the way of life you have chosen and reflective of your romantic nature. No longer will you utter surfers are the worst. No longer will you view life through that narrow lens. From this point on, I recommend taking a page from the Jerry Lopez playbook and center yourself before heading out to surf. You may <laughs> yes. begin with your morning cup. It can become, if it isn't already, Scott, a centering ritual. While enjoying the fresh aroma and nuances of the coffee, set the intention that today I'm going to share the stoke with everyone, not only by the smile on my face when I make turns, but also the joy I feel in gifting a wave to a Grom, a Val, or even a grumpy local. I may not see the depth of my actions in the moment. I may even become frustrated at times. But no, you will feel a difference when you wash the salt water from your body and continue on with your journey. As you sit in the lineup, turn your palms upward and lay them on your thighs. Take a deep breath and become one with the place you feel most alive. Balance the eddies. Find the middle ground between your Eddie Rothman and your... <laughs> so he actually got cut off there, but the final sentence was between your Eddie Rothman and your inner 
Eddie Aikau. Wow. That is yeah. awesome. I love this person. That's I do too. Funny. I, I, I agree with Devin. What was this gentleman's name? Shukin. Shukin. I'm a big fan of his and uh, I'd like to hear more from him. And you know what? Surfers are the best. We can be the best. We should be the best. We should shoot for the best. He used the word intention, which I think is powerful. I'm actually reading this really cool book called The Power of Intention Whoa. by my friend, Dr. Wayne Dyer. And um, I'm a big fan of everything that he said. And I agree with him. Surfers are the worst is kind of a tongue in cheek thing, as I'm sure he's aware. Um, and um, generally speaking, we should be shooting for surfers are the best. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, there's nothing, I, I can't deny anything he said. He's absolutely correct. And I do surf my, I do have the most uh, amount of, I guess, fulfillment, if you will, not that we're looking to be fulfilled, but the, my most serene moments in the ocean are when uh, I, I sort of use those tactics or strategies that he suggested. And I'm a big fan of all of that stuff. And, and in fact, surfers are the best. He, I, he actually, so because he got cut off on that uh, voicemail, he emailed me to give me that final line. Yeah. And he also wrote, Scott, you are doing great work sharing your love for the artistry, craftsmanship, and history behind the surfboard. I have learned a great deal over the years listening to both Spit and The Boardroom Show. It must seem at times that you are alone in your efforts, but we appreciate it. And Scott, if your day out in the surf doesn't seem to be going right, try going left. <laughs> you know what? I went left awesome. today. I got some great lefts today and I will go left. And I'm a big fan of this gentleman. Thank you so much for the voicemail. It was, it was well received and I will certainly put some of this, yeah. all of this stuff, I hope on a daily basis. Well, to, uh, there's a lot of wisdom in, in what this person shared with you. I love it. The power of intention. We attract what we put out. We know that everyone knows that. And so, um, you know, it's easy for us to talk about how things are coming, you know, the world's coming to an end, everything's political, everything, just every conversation is too heavy. So it's nice to be reminded to uh, how to pull out of these things and to focus on surfers are the best because we're still relative to population on the earth. We're still, you know, a tiny just drop in the bucket. And you know, you meet people like, why do they get into surfing and, and why are they so stoked? And if we can not forget that, embrace that, use the best parts of that to um, infuse, you know, positivity into our own lives, our family and our neighbors and everything. That's, that's how this can all really like, that's how surfing can shift the world. And that's why like Timothy Leary and all of these different sort of great thinkers in the sixties were intrigued by surfing and that we've tapped into something special. So thanks to this uh, listener for reminding us of that. That's so cool. Yeah, this guy seems very wise. I, I, I would like him to continue to profess for us. Send in, send in another note, Shukin. Yeah. Um, I've, I've communicated with him a lot over the years and he revealed at some point that he lived in Japan for some time where he studied Buddhism. So I think that may be where some of that philosophy is coming from. Yes. Um, well, Devin, you, again, huge congratulations um, on a wonderful season and all your successes on fatherhood as well. Do you have any parting words, final words of advice for me? I'm one to two weeks away from entering that phase of life. Hey man, I'm excited for you. Um, 
in like just enjoy the the sort of labor part i think a lot of people just focus on all the i think we've said this before but there's a lot of like negative birth stories and everyone focuses on what's bad about it um there's a real beauty to the rhythm that you two can get in together just be there for her um are you guys doing going to the hospital at home I, I don't i'm not familiar with what your path is here we're at hogue doing the at hospital hogue. route yeah and, and i'm sure it's a hogue supposed to be a really great place and hopefully you got a great team around you who uh, will be there and sort of let her choose the journey. Uh, I think things can get hectic and sideways and panicky. And no matter what's going on around, just you look into your lady's eyes and just be there and calming. Because there's going to be moments where she's going to say, and this will probably happen, I can't have this baby. There's a moment for most women, I'm not generalizing, but this is something <laughs> well, you're totally generalizing. Well, I just want you're to just, say you're look, speaking for 40 million women well, right now. Look, okay, a lot of let's just say a lot of our friends. I'll I'll okay. I'll, I'll okay. shorten that circle. A lot of mutual friends. Because Caitlin had a moment where she's like, because we did it at home, and she's like, I can't do this. We're out of here. Like, we're, we're out, out of here. Not, where are you gonna going go? to the hospital? The hospital. <laughs> Oh. And, and the, the, you know, the midwife's like, look, this baby's coming like now, like <laughs> Rex will be born in the car. So let's just get back Stick in to the, the zone. Yeah. And she, and the midwife told me like nine out of 10 women have a moment where they just, they lose faith in themselves. Cause it is so gnarly. Yeah. We don't yeah. know. We will I never know. know. Never I don't tend to know. So that's God all bless I, can offer. I I didn't mean to make fun of Kate. No, no, I love it. I don't take it. But I, that's the only thing I can offer is we don't know. We'll never know. But that's my advice. Just look at her and just be there. And whatever happens, just don't judge. Just be like a calming presence. And it's not even about talking. It's just about being there and that energy. That's yeah. my advice for you, David. I'll take it. Thank you. Yeah. What are we looking at, David? When's the big day here? Uh, probably next week. So the baby's fully ready to go. It's dropped into the correct position, but uh, the cervix isn't fully dilated to that point yet. So yeah. we've got twice a week appointments with ultrasounds and stress tests. So they're monitoring it very frequently and they're encouraging start walking, start doing some other stuff that'll kind of, uh, yeah. yeah. And so the due date isn't until the 27th, but they're talking about you know, maybe next week should be the optimal time. Oh, maybe it's a so, Halloween baby, huh? One, one, uh, one more quick note. Uh, is this uh, first for, for your lady? I'm assuming is the first. Yep. Um, first kid for both. I us. think I've heard a lot of stories from folks that have gone to the hospital a little prematurely because yep. they haven't been through it before. So I, I'm sure you're working with the midwife, but just kind of be in tune with like what they're going to ask you, like how, how, you know, the contractions are coming along and I would say, don't freak out. Like, oh my God, we got to get to the hospital. Like once this process starts, it can, it, depending on, on the lady, everyone's different, but yeah, it, it takes a bit longer than you think. And sometimes I think we hear this a lot, man, we went to the hospital and they even turned us back because the contractions weren't enough. They're like, look, just go ride this out at home and just, yeah. Matt Warshaw just told me that this last week, he was like, the water broke. So they went to the hospital and the hospital sent them home and said, come back tomorrow morning and we'll have the baby tomorrow morning. And he said, it was the most bizarre night of his life, <laughs> you know, where they, they're like, well, this is, they weren't feeling any of the pressure. Like, Oh, we're doing the wrong thing. They knew the baby will be here tomorrow, but this is the final night of our lives where we are not parents. 
So he said they did all the normal things. They played Scrabble, they made dinner, they watched some TV, but it was just the most bizarre night ever, you know, knowing the final night of your life without a kid. So, yeah. But then the next day is the best day of your life and the beginning of an amazing, incredible journey. So I'm stoked for you. I love waking up every day being a dad. It's the best, David. Thanks, dude. Love it. Can't wait. Hey, um, Devin, tell me about my new board, bros. You. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, uh, I was just informed that your, your CI mid is done. I looked at it and I put, I, I did the, uh, the under the arm test. The, the rail is, is nice. I was thinking of keeping it myself. Oh, that's like, a good sign. I was like, I don't know if this should go down, but we're going to put it on a truck for you tomorrow and it's going to end up down in Oceanside. So I'll, I'll help you coordinate. I yeah. think you're going to be a happy camper. I bet. I'm so stoked. Yeah. Thanks so much. I'm doing that horrible thing right now where I'm watching myself surf on Surfline's Cam Rewind. Right I'm, like, <laughs> I'm over here. I'm like, wow. So well, wait, like, wait until you get this board because you'll, you'll probably be surfing at least 20% better. I promise. I'm, and that won't be hard. I mean, the way I'm surfing now, I'm kneeboarding uh, now. Well, thank you, Devin. Always a pleasure to have you. Yeah. And of course, Scott yeah. and I owe a thanks to all of our podcast supporters uh, month in and month out. That is the foundation of our work. And then, of course, advertisers as well. Neat Essentials has been with us for years. NVS Fins. Hey, the water just dropped, man. It's like 60 degrees. You need to go onto Neat Essentials right now and order up a full suit. Boom. Um, perfect for a 3-2, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, of course, whoop.com, promo code SURF and athleticgreens.com slash SURF. All right. Well, gosh, until next time, everybody, adios and aloha. Johnny Thunder lives on water, feeds on land. Johnny Thunder don't need no one, don't want Sweet